0: Business is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Powell.
1: Today is a chat about turning cool ideas into great businesses around day jobs and responsibilities and having those products be picked up by some of the great taste arbiters in the world. Bridie Pico started out in New Zealand, and then went to London and New York, working at some of the most influential ad agencies in the world. Around the edges, she always had an interest in design, thoughtful and warm characterful pieces, and she turned this into Thing Industries, that was a partnership with a New Zealand-based designer that ran fashion collabs, was named the maker of the year by Urbis magazine, and was featured in wallpaper and places like the New York Times for its playful products things that you might remember and have seen, like the banana pillow and a chair that had no seat. From this, Bridie has launched Rappy, an online and retail design-led wrapping business, and also The Shack, an artfully composed rental project in upstate New York, things all feeding into one another. To talk making it in New York, making ideas into reality and the journey, we're stoked to have Bridie here in the studio on a visit home. Kia ora, good morning. Kia ora. Hey, so tell me about your start in advertising, working at places like Mother, which uh, is, is famous in the world of advertising and then famous in the world of office design for their big table that has been imitated a bazillion times.
2: Oh, yeah, the, the table in the London office. Um, so I got my start in advertising because my sister always worked in agencies um, in New Zealand at uh, Mojo, Saatchi's places like that. So that's kind of how I knew that agencies existed and what what that kind of job was um so my first um intro to that was actually working on reception at wyvern TBWA back in the day um and that was before i moved to new york in 2001 and then getting
1: to new york new york now it's kind of a lot closer like air new zealand's going to start flying there and there's quite a few kiwis doing cool things over there yeah but when you were heading over to new york
2: was that the beaten path? Um, no, it was mostly Europe, um, London for Kiwis at that time, I think. Um, yeah, I'd always fancied going over there. Um, my plan wasn't to, to live there. It was just to kind of try and, and um, move over there, see if I could find work. Um, so I had about, uh, I think about a month's worth of money with me when I, when I flew over there and um, and the goal was just to try and get a job, maybe, you know, I had a return ticket for, um, uh, for about a year later. Um, ended up finding work um, and, and here I am 20 years later. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. And
1: what is it, you know, um, making it in New York pretty famous as, uh, you, you know, a concept, what, what is it, what's it like uh, trying to start businesses and trying to get things off the ground? in America versus the New Zealand context.
2: Um, I haven't done it over here, so I'm not. I'm not sure um, how different it is, but um, it's definitely easy over there. I, I feel like it's well set up for for starting things, and people are very open to helping you um, get things off the ground and introduce you to people. Um, you know, the more people that you tell um, talk to about what you're doing, the more help you get. Um, so that's great. But then I've also noticed um, even starting things from over there, the support of New Zealanders has been awesome. Like New Zealand um, magazines and and people in the creative industry over here and people who have stores have been super supportive.
1: Tell me how it began because you are working uh, at an agency. You had clients like Microsoft, like really big clients and really big responsibilities. And you thought, I'll tell you what. I'll make another business happen around the edges.
2: Yeah, so um, so my role in in advertising and at Mother was um, uh, in kind of my my job title was actually a mother. Um, so I was looking after clients, managing the projects um, internally at the agency, um, and that's all very it's all very like timelines and budgets and. Um, it feels like that
1: name shouldn't fly. At the moment, these days, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: I think it's (laughs) it might be changing that. Yeah, yeah, it's mothers, and then and then they had um, nannies that were, you know, our PAs that kind of looked after things and scheduled stuff. Um, But yeah, there were there were male mothers, but they were called mothers as well, not fathers. Um, Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: So kind of account manager, but also producer, like making things happen as well. Yeah.
2: So so a bit of account, bit of um, production um yeah we kind of mothers would get their hands dirty with overseeing production so you have have like a good production knowledge as well as the client stuff um but yeah I felt like I was missing a bit of the creative side of things because I had been in art buying which I really enjoyed before that um and so yeah I guess that's how thing came about is I just wanted another project and something that maybe could lead to me um you know having a job that i could that gave me a bit more flexibility that i could like come to new zealand for the summer or something like that kia ora. sorry to interrupt if you like this podcast you might like ours we are paper cuts we are the podcast all about books we're like your book club in a podcast you can find us on www.thespinoff.co.nz or on all your fave podcast providers.
0: Kakite. Bye. Read a book.
1: <laughs> if you love The Spinoff, the best way to show it is to become part of The Spinoff members. This is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. Check it out through The Spinoff. Tell me how you reached out first to the designer who you partnered with on that
2: yeah so um so i had seen i was actually i'd lived in new york for five years and then started work at mother in london so i was in london at the time um in a quite a small um apartment there in east london in dalston um and i had seen uh this design of this object called the sacrificial chair in a magazine that Matt, i think he had shown it at milan one year. And that must've been in like 2006 or seven. Um, so i had emailed him. I was like, Hey, I'd love to, to buy this thing. It's, you know, I loved it. I thought the concept was great.
1: What was the sacrificial chair? Um, so
2: the sacrificial chair is like a, an outline of a chair. So you know how you have that chair in your bedroom that you just throw all your crap on your dirty washing or whatever. Um, cause you can't be bothered dealing with it. Um, and so instead of like wasting a nice chair, it's just the frame of a chair that's just for throwing stuff on, um,
1: like the wrought iron, and there's no actual seat. In no the seat, yeah. no back. Yeah. Just
2: legs and a frame. Um, and and what did he say? Uh, I think the first time he's just like, oh, you know, thanks for your interest. I'm not, haven't got it in, into production, um, but might one day like keep in touch, kind of thing. And then um, I saw it again when I I think I'd moved back to New York. Um, saw it somewhere else and emailed him again got the same response and so a couple of months later I was in um in Wellington and just asked for a meeting and I said look why don't I make it and you know with your design and and um I'm going to start this company because I had a couple of other ideas of stuff that I wanted to make and um and he was into it he was like sounds great um and he ended up coming on board as a partner cuz he's um, an industrial designer um and yeah and we started thing industries together
1: and thing industries became really well known for these kind of playful and i don't mean quirky is a funny word but they are <laughs> quite quirky in the best sense yeah. of the word and yeah. uh, and fun compact things that fit into people's lives with a bit of kind of personality to them what was you, you know um what was your process of actually coming up with the pieces and what were some of your favorite pieces?
2: Um, so I think at that point I had, I had bought a place upstate in New York, which is, which is, uh, the shack. Cause it's like a one bedroom, um, property up there on like seven acres. Um, and I just felt like everything was a bit bulky and, um, I wanted to create things that kind of served more than one purpose if possible. um, So I guess the process um, with some of the items like the birdhouse, so it's like a a bookshelf that you can, you know, rest a book on the the roof. Um, The cabin, which is great for like Airbnb's or whatever because you can – it's like a toothbrush holder, um, but there's also like a hook for a towel. So it just gives people their own little spaces. Um, So I wanted to – Create things that, you know, weren't just a square pillow, mm. you know, because there's plenty of just plain square pillows. But um, I like the idea of, you know, a banana on your sofa that is also a pillow <laughs> kind of thing.
1: And and when there's such mass production, like, you know, mm-hmm. if you travel and, and, and you stay in three Airbnbs in a row and they've all got the same Ikea, everything. And they're, they're now they've got the same lack of personality that hotels used to have.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm staying in one now.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah. I think I think it's just I think people like the idea of Airbnbs because you're you're staying in someone's place and they've got a personal touch on it, mm. not too personal. But um,
1: we once stayed in one that had someone's um, partner's body shots on the wall. Oh, it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting thing to leave in That's the Airbnb. Cute. Yeah. And then, what was the reaction to these products? As you know, they they were picked up in magazines. They were featured in like the world's greatest design journals. I know. I was just such a cool, such a cool process.
2: I was so shocked. Um, I kind of expected to like put it out there, build this website, and it just to um, you know to kind of limp along a little bit. Um, But yeah, all the press was amazing. It was insane it kind of blew my mind a bit um how easy that was that process was um but I guess we were doing stuff that that no one else was really doing at the time and it was it was quite different I mean I kind of feel like with thing it's you don't want to have a house full of this stuff that would be a little a little much but I think um paired with some you know some some more toned down things um you know, a, a thing product here and there is um is cute. Uh,
1: little injection of personality in there, and yeah, then, and then from that, tell me about Rappy.
2: Right, so um, Rappy came about because of kind of what I'd learned with Thing, which was manufacturing like thirteen mm-hmm. skews each in you know a different location in the world. Um, I was producing things in Scotland, upstate New York, China, India, LA, um, New Zealand, all over the place. And just like managing all of that was uh, a nightmare. So (laughs) every time I I came to make a new product um, it required new materials and stuff. And you have to go, you know, to that place, you know, whoever's doing the best alpaca things or whatever it is. and so, and which was Bolivia. I guess that and yeah. that's, that's fun
1: the first time, isn't it? But when yeah. you've got to go back the third time because it's still not working, it stops being, like all work travel, it stops being fun travel and just becomes work.
2: Totally, yeah. Um, and also with, with all of that, just um, how big some of the items were, it becomes um, a bit of a pain, shipping and then also warehousing. So, um, you know, as soon as you're shipping big volumes around, you know, the margins get really squeezed. um, And then you're just paying for them to live on a shelf somewhere, um, which can, you know, if you're looking at that long term, it it really adds up.
1: You're looking at your cost line. You're like, well, I've got um, 400 chairs that you can't sit on sitting in a warehouse that I'm paying for storage. I
2: was actually able to get those to flat pack. Okay. Which, which took about a year and a half to find someone that could do that. But, um, yeah. Um, so out of that, I was just like, I knew what I liked, which was making stuff and collaborating with, um, with designers and artists on, on projects. Um, but I wanted something that kind of solved the issue of needing to manufacture, um, different materials in different places all the time. And also the storage and also the shipping. So shipping things out to, um, to stores and to clients. Um, and I also love the idea of single product companies, you know, at the time it was like Casper and Warby and things like that on the bigger end. And then on the smaller end, like, uh, Tatley, which is the temporary tattoos and various key tags, which is the, um, the, you know, cute little key tag things. So people that just had one idea and were doing it really well, um, so I was like what's my thing and I had a good think about it um and I had done one gift wrap um with a creative duo called lazy mum in New York um and that had sold really well with thing and um and I was like oh I could do that um and my issue with that had been that like shipping rolls was really expensive so I was like I'll just fold it um and and I had and I had recently had like a Um, I'd had to buy gift wrap for something for my husband's birthday or something and um, got you know a cute present from a gift store where they always sell you know high priced cards or whatever but they didn't have um, gift wrap I think often with stores they don't want to have that big ladder where they have to like fold sheets over um, and then if they have it in rolls then it's just on the floor in a basket or something like that. So a lot of stores don't don't usually carry it. Um, so I had to go to like CVS, which is the chemist place, for some horribly overpriced festive thing. Um, and I was like, I could do this better and kind of think about how how it ships without being rolled, which is you know to fold it, and then how it's displayed in um, in retail. Um, so I think our uh, our folded size is is um, kind of the size of an iPad, so you can see the design, um, but it doesn't take up too much counter space um, and that kind of thing.
1: And then you can collaborate with cool designers and artists, yeah. uh, keep it fresh. Uh, you've worked on environmental printing and the like?
2: Yep, yep. So um, so as soon as I had the idea, I floated it past um, my friend Kari Higgins, and... Um, she is a new zealander also she was in new york she's now in, in portland um in oregon and uh she's running bing bang which is a, a jewelry uh quite well-known jewelry company over there um and asked her to come on board as my partner um yeah she's very knowledgeable in in all of the retail stuff and it helped me with things industries with um you know, how to figure out pricing and margins and things like that, because I had no idea. Um, and so we uh, put together a business plan, um, approached Combo, who are um, my friends, Pete Harris and Capono Chung, um, who are ex-Mother New York designers, um, and approached them because, uh, you know, I think they're the best at what they do, and um, we wanted them to do the, the Rappi identity in our first seven papers. Um, and they actually ended up coming on board as partners as well. So just, like, gathering gathering people on the way. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so they came up with, you know, we kind of worked on the identity um, together with them designing it and, and us all kind of having a say in it. And then um, Kari and I kind of concepted what those first seven designs should be and then they figured out, you know, how they looked. Um, and we got got printing and how's it going
1: like uh it's got the direct to consumer side so pretty pretty sweet little internet um business there and then in retail
2: yeah um i think our hope is that um is that it'll pick up a lot more in retail um you know every time we sell to a customer that's 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 you know one transaction that might be three packs paper or something and then every retail customer is is you know 20 or 30 packs so so growing that side of things um, makes sense for us and then that gives us visibility to new customers um, when it's in store Um, yeah so that that's our hope is that we'll we'll always keep the d2c but but really focus on retail
1: having gone through the process of starting a couple of things around the edges like you know, what, what advice do you have for people who do have these dreams of cool things that they could bring into the world uh, and maybe have family and full-time work and, and, and maybe are wondering if they can make stuff happen?
2: Um, I mean, I would say just, just start it. I think the, the more you think about things and, and tell people ideas, the more feedback you'll get on something that doesn't exist yet, which is kind of a strange place to be. Um, I didn't tell too many people about, about rappy. Um, I think I spoke to my dad about it. He had a a good idea, um, to add the stickers in there as, as tape, um, which was really good and, and helpful. But I think, um, I think just start it if you can. Um, obviously there's like financial implications with, with getting something off the ground. So, um, yeah, luckily with with Rappy, it's um, it kind of solves that problem as well as not not needing too many funds for, for starting it. Um, I think we were about six months from um, from the concept to, to launch.
1: And what will success look like for you? Uh, is it the mixture of uh, all of these projects at once, or what, what would uh, what would your version of success be?
2: Um, I think. I would like to just keep, you know, whenever I have these ideas for, for new companies and I don't, I don't have another one at the moment. Um, but just to be able to get them off the ground and also, um, I would love to help other people with, with ideas. I think, um, I think having done it a couple of times, I know what the pitfalls are of, of starting something, um, what to avoid. Um, yeah, and I think that's the fun thing is is starting stuff I need to get better at running stuff
1: <laughs> uh, that's so cool well thank you for joining us today to share your story with thing industries and Reppy paper that are both uh, available online that's Bridie Pico thanks thanks so much for uh, producing for us today Ellis Wepedill and thank you very much for having us along and yeah, listen we'll
0: You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by the Spin Off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin Off Podcast Network.